Hi, my name is Londe Yusuf. And my name is Reggie Williams. And we're the co-founders of Black Film Space. Black Film Space is a grassroots organization dedicated to enhancing the skill sets of black filmmakers and building a community of creatives. We host events such as screenwriting workshops, panels, mixers, and other events that are designed to support black content creators. In our next episode of the Black Film Space podcast, we interview Zanda Shea Brown. Zanda Shea is an award-winning genre filmmaker born and bred in Louisiana. Brown writes and directs stories primarily within the horror genre that showcase her perspective on identity, spirituality, and healing for black women in the American South. Her latest short, Blood Runs Down, has won multiple awards, including being a 2018 official Black Star Film Festival selection, Overlook Film Festival selection, and Woman in Horror Film Festival selection, amongst many more. Before we begin the interview, we have a few brief announcements about our events in spring 2019. On Friday, April 12th, the co-founders of Black Film Space, myself, and Londe Youssef, will be moderating a screenwriting workshop in Dumbo, Brooklyn, as part of the Black Web Fest. On Thursday, April 25th, we're hosting our monthly screenwriting workshop at Studios 150 in Midtown Manhattan from 7 to 10 p.m. Lastly, we're hosting our fourth annual screenwriting retreat from June 19th to June 23rd. The Black Film Space Screenwriting Retreat is a five-day, four-night excursion designed to offer screenwriters a quiet space to focus on their writing and connect with like-minded creatives. We also incorporate optional writing workshops, yoga, meditation sessions, table dinners, and nature walks. The deadline for the first deposit is April 1st. For more info on all these events, go to blackfilmspace.com. Now, on to our interview. So, Zandashay, thank you for joining the Black Film Space podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to be here. Uh, we're very excited to interview you. The producer, or one of the producers of this podcast, was really um, excited to bring you on, particularly because you are a, a black woman in the horror genre. We're really looking forward to the insight that you can provide to our audience. I'd like to just get started in regards to how you got into the horror genre and, and what inspired you to to make films. Mm. Well, I grew up watching horror films with my mom mostly. It was sort of a tradition of ours. We'd go to Blockbuster. She would get maybe an action film, a scary movie, and I'd get a cartoon and goosebumps or something like that. But I would always end up watching her movies with her so it's it's just kind of it's the concept that I was raised on <laughs> I mean which could be questionable but um yeah, I grew up with it more so than I did Disney or, or anything else and I think I've always wanted to be a storyteller in some way um I started writing very early on I would write these little short stories in between class periods or after I finished work in middle school. And then I would take a, a sheet of white paper and like draw a cover on it and staple it like it was a book, pass it around to people. And it was a hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the stories were really bad, but, uh, you know, I've always, I've always written in that way. I used to want to be a novelist and I guess sometime in high school it just clicked that my love for horror and film that storytelling was that was the storytelling medium that I wanted to take okay yeah that is that is definitely um an interesting um upbringing in regards <laughs> to like 
like I know for me it was like the Lion King and Aladdin and things like that. So the fact that <laughs> you watch a lot of horror movies is that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I caught I think the Lion King maybe at age seventeen because oh, <laughs> wow. I just felt left out and was like, let me catch up and see what this is yeah, about. Yeah. Um, so in in your artist statement, you say that you believe your work in the horror genre will promote sympathy for black bodies and minds um, to larger audiences mm -hmm. by showcasing our vulnerability. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I think when a, when a horror film works really well, you are in the shoes of the protagonist who's, who's literally trying to survive. So you're rooting for them. Um, if the stakes are high enough, you know, they feel high for yourself as well. And I've grown up, and you know, most of the rest of the world has grown up watching and rooting for white people on screen. Um, and, and that's outside of horror, but like I said, those stakes are lifted in horror so much. So it was, it was super interesting for me when Get Out came out. Mm -hmm. It was also, I was shocked, you know, I, I, I didn't see it coming for the first time. Black people, or for one of the first times, not the first, for the first time in this huge, huge, like, you know, transcendent way, um, non-black audiences as well were literally rooting for a black person to survive. And I think people need to question how many times in their life they've actually done that. Mm. How many times have you really cared for the states of people who don't look like you? Because you don't see them on screen that often. It's just mm. not the norm. Yeah. So I think, I think horror is like a great, medium to you know just to showcase a certain type of intensity mm -hmm. okay and in, in in your work do you or i guess how much do you care that the audience isn't black uh you know i make my work with black audiences in mind first but i do i do hope that anyone and everyone can see it and relate to it. It's just, you know, like Jordan Hill came out recently with a statement that said, uh, after us came out, he said, I'm not, I don't see myself casting any films with white people as leads. Like I've already seen that movie. That's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> you know, that's how I feel. Um, so yeah, those movies are already out there. My cast, my stories are going to be centered around black people, people of color, black women specifically, and specifically people in the South, like those are all underrepresented categories. And I think everyone needs to take in those perspectives more. So I would hope that wide audiences could view my work. Yeah. Yeah. I think for, for um, us, it was like 30%, uh, or at least the opening weekend was like 30% white people, 30% black people. And um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you, you bring up a valid point in regards to, you know, just people rooting for black people. And, and a diverse audience rooting for black people. I think that's incredibly powerful. Right. Whether they realize it or not, you know, mm. it's, some things can be a bit pushy. And I think the, the race theme is very forward and get out, which it should have been. And it works well. But even for, for us or other films where black people have been in the lead, you're, you're still um, you're still rooting for that character. And I think it still does something to you as a person. Mm -hmm. OK, well, let's talk more about your your project. Can you explain to us what blood runs down is yeah absolutely so blood runs down is a short southern gothic horror film it it takes place the night before a little girl's seventh birthday she and her mother are preparing for the night and her mother undergoes this sort of odd transition and becomes 
essentially another person, a little girl, has to determine whether or not she should save her mother or save herself from her mother. Um, and so it's, it's essentially a story about one of the hottest subtext topics of the year, of last year, I think, um, generational trauma. Mm. But it's it's very specific to black women and girls. Okay. And how did how did you choose which film festivals to submit to? You know, this was my I say this is my first film. It's not technically my first film, but I feel like I can say that. Mm. <laughs> it's so I'll say it's this was my first film with um any kind of reasonable budget with a producer attached. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff was very new to me. I took some of her recommendations, my producer's Lauren Domino, mm-hmm. um, with submitting to festivals that were interested in black films. We submitted to horror festivals. We submitted to festivals interested in films by women filmmakers and a couple of different city festivals. We kind of went all over the place and we've screened it around 10 so far, including some other non-festival related screenings. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still, it's a year later, we're still on the festival circuit lightly. But what's interesting is the film never really fit in neatly into any of the blocks. Mm-hmm. And I'm still amazed that it was selected for as many festivals as it has been selected for because it's, it's 17 and a half minutes. And so, you know, now knowing what I know about programming and putting together a short block, especially, that's, that's a lot of time to, request for a film that doesn't fit neatly into a particular category mm-hmm. so as a person who's really insecure occasionally about my work um it I, I think that's been very affirming for me to to know that out of a pool this film still made it out this really odd film that's a horror but not really scary mm-hmm. um you know it, 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 it exists in all these weird ways um and we've won a couple of awards, a couple of nominations since. So nice. it it surpassed my expectations as a as a first time first time filmmaker, sort of. Congrats, that's that's dope. Um Thank you. So you said you said it's not scary, but there is a lot of there's mysticism in it, right? Um yeah, there is yeah, there's mysticism. There's a feeling. I think what I'm more interested in than, than gore and blood a lot of time, although I, I do um, like those movies as well. What I'm more interested in is, is this feeling of anxiety or discomfort or being unsettled by something. Um, one of my favorite films last year was Hereditary. Mm-hmm. And it captured this, this perfect feeling that I was trying to, that I've been trying to capture in a lot of my work too, of just dread um and i think that's a really interesting thing for people to reckon with in themselves or or, or watching a character go through it so i focused more on those emotions but then i also focused on healing Mm -hmm. because it was in a way this film was a um my work is i consider my work very spiritual so this film was a a healing mechanism for me and a lot of my crew Mm -hmm. um so yeah you know you're not you're not going to get i i think you're not going to get a lot of jumps or anything like that. Some mm-hmm. people still had an issue with, um, you know, oh, I don't do horror, so I'll have to catch your next one. And like, I promise it's not scary. It's not scary. <laughs> but that is a goal. I'm trying to step that up mm-hmm. <laughs> in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so why, why is it important for you to tell stories that incorporate spirituality? 
I think that so I so one of my favorite subgenres of horror is is supernatural, kind of like your ghost stories, mm. stuff like that. Mm. I've always been interested in that, and I think it also has something to do with me being a Louisiana girl, you know, born and raised from the village of Rosedale outside of Plaquemine. You know, these are names nobody's heard of. <laughs> the <laughs> closest I about? can say is maybe Baton Rouge is a reference. Okay. Um, but but that that energy is always around us here. It's always been around me. Just looking into my grandmother's backyard and the row of trees behind it is a is a um sugarcane field. Mm. You know, so there's always kind of like this haunted haunted setting of what happened here, what happened in this land. Even right now, you know, I'm talking to you from the third floor of an apartment on the French Quarter, what happened here? Mm. There's just so many stories just layered and kind of screaming on top of each other here. So I think I've always been drawn to the paranormal end of things. And with Blood Runs Down, I had to really engage with some past traumas that I've endured in life. I think writing that script kind of came to where it was over the past, I would say, five years or so. And it's taken on different shapes, and some have been better than others. But Blood Runs Down is the result of it. And it was me coping with, um, you know, one growing up with growing up without my mother who mm. endured kind of a, a mental breakdown mm. reconciling with my christianity my spirituality which was at the source of that breakdown for her just a lot of really odd things happened for me at that time in my life mm. so i i think i don't know i think it's just naturally always been speaking to me and i think that there's something very serious to be noted about how we move spiritually and that's what a lot of horror is missing out on. Mm-hmm. Because that's scary. That stuff can be scary. Mm-hmm. For me, that feels very real. What, what do you find? Why, why do you think it's scary? Uh, you know, I have, a, I have a series of stories that I occasionally tell friends about when I was in high school and when my mom was going through this breakdown because she was very absent. So I had to do a lot of raising myself. And mm. sometimes when I tell these stories to people, they almost feel fake mm. because I'm like, I forget that this experience really happened to me, yeah. <laughs> you know, really, really happened to me. Um, so I can, I don't know. I'm like, do I want to go into story time? <laughs> it's up to you. Um, so, so one, one for instance was to give context, a lot of what, um, went down with my mom's diagnosis, which eventually it was diagnosed as, um, uh, bipolar. Mm-hmm. It looks more like schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see, you'll see a lot of that kind of play out in Blood Runs Down as well. But, um, there were, there were lots of claims of our family having committed sins and being witches and that we were cursed and we had to repent and all these things. And mm-hmm. I've been, a person who's been in, who at that point had been in church the most of my life, had been raised Christian, had prayed nightly. Um, and my room, all the things that I owned were kind of cleared because the claim was that they opened this, this sort of portal for, for bad energy, bad spirits to come in. Mm-hmm. So this is what I was growing up with around high school. And it's so interesting that I see so many documentaries. There's one by Jessica Genea's, um, Duvange du Calévé, mm-hmm. which 
kind of deals with a similar experience with her mother. And it's such a thing with black women. um, That's interesting. But, you know, it's on the one end, you can say, okay, it's very clear that you have a mental illness. You have this diagnosis and that's what's happening. But on the other end, so many things, so many claims that she made seem to be validated by the things that were happening in my life. Mm. Um, And so one of them when she was early on was that, Mentally ill people aren't mentally ill. They're possessed or they're demons or they're spirits. So creatively, years later when I was writing, I thought about how her health deteriorated and how as it was deteriorating, she kept making these, these, um, calls for help or, you know, saying, I feel like something is taking over me. And so that stuff kind of sticks with you, even when you're, you're trying to be logically minded. Yeah. So I used it as, creative fodder, a healing fodder, I meditated around, you know, what that meant for me and our likenesses. But but that's that's sort of what I mean. I mean it's it's metaphorically real and depending on what your beliefs are, it's it's just real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm still sorting that out for myself. I understand. Yeah, that's that's definitely mm-hmm. um I, 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 I understand what you mean by it being scary now and um that's amazing that you know you're willing to put your yourself out there and be vulnerable in your work um mm. i'm generally excited to, to see the, the entire short yeah thank you yeah i feel most comfortable when everything is out on the table you yeah. know at the risk of oversharing a lot of things but i just i feel i feel most comfortable when i have nothing to hide and mm-hmm. when how how i'm feeling what i've been through is communicated so mm-hmm. this was like the perfect conduit for that this film i know you said this is your first short is did you do any other like horror spiritual storytelling uh maybe like a short story when you were when you were younger like what was your yeah i think when i was when i was younger i think i did more more (laughs) sci-fi interestingly enough which i have a bit more trouble writing now but I, i was more there i did write horror here and there short stories and things like that but when i did sit down to start the first script that would eventually turn into Blood Runs Down, I had a really hard time um, writing horror. I've had an easier time writing drama, writing comedy, but it's something about trying to scare a person or trying to introduce fear to a person Mm -hmm. that it, you know, it takes a setup. It's timing, it's performance, it's all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went from you know, writing out like a list of scares. And then I was like, no, this isn't the project for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, this isn't one of those. It's not going to work within that structure. So um, I just went back to the core of my own experiences, why they frighten me and how they frighten me and, and use that. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what I've been doing. It's not, it's around fear, but a, a lot of what I've been writing lately has been just based on my experience good and bad of growing up as a child in southern louisiana yeah mm-hmm. okay what were, were there any fundamental differences in regards to filming uh blood runs down um compared to your, your other projects uh no because well so blood runs down is the first project that i've really collaborated with people okay on and and since it's had the success that it's had you know there has been Calls for more scripts and short films or, and all that stuff is coming. 
but yeah, this was this was the first time that I I really was able to pull together a crew, a great crew. We connected very well. We had a very easy time on set, mm-hmm. um, and everyone was very respectful and supportive of me. I, I don't know what it's like to to work in this industry in other cities, but you know, New Orleans is doing it. I love my crew out here. They they really uplifted me, especially considering, you know, some of them are, many of them are much more accomplished than me at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I needed that. Mm-hmm. So I actually wanted to go back to the film festivals. Um, was that, was the process of getting into those festivals or submitting it difficult? I didn't necessarily find it to be difficult. I just felt it to be time consuming, mm-hmm. especially towards the end. I was doing a lot of submissions by myself, still working, still trying to create new content, writing more. Um, so balancing those things and, you know, and, and handling deliverables for one festival while I'm at another, having gotten a notification from that festival late. So the, the things were there, but, you know, you, you can only do so much at a time. Yeah. I think definitely that's that's something I would love for another person to handle next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting every time we got we got an acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um so I couldn't complain too much. Did you get into any festivals that well I mean, okay, so you said that your your film really stood out in the in the short blocks. So mm-hmm. are there not film festivals that your short would fit into like do they not exist i'm sure they do and i and i'm sure that more as as horror starts to to bloom in the way that it has been for the past few years i'm I'm sure that there will be an entire block of films more similar to mine Mm -hmm. um in theme and and production and all that stuff but yeah I, i i'm i'm just not sure what they are you know i'll admit to being pretty new to this thing in a lot of ways um but you know horror horror film festivals in those blocks we looked a little out of place because everything else was so it was either horror comedy or or blood and guts or ghost girls and then you know southern gothic horror (laughs) somewhere wedged into that um this film would maybe pair with something like an Eve Bayou or a Daughters of the Dust and where where do those films scream? Yeah. You know? So maybe I felt most at home well, I felt most at home in New Orleans because that New Orleans Film Festival and the New Orleans Film Society has uplifted me and supported me in so many ways since I was in college. Um so they've been doing that for years. I felt most home there, mm-hmm. but I think also at Black Star where the the quality of work really shines and um the diversity of it yeah and and the other ones you know it worked but it was just for for a person who's insecure it was like oh gosh so we're screening these films Mm. and here comes my film which is a hard left (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i i think it's there i think i think they're there and i think as i um continue to sort of clarify my voice in in future work you know it'll fit it may fit more solidly or it might not. And maybe that's a great thing. You know, I would love to be doing something, something innovative in the future, yeah. something more innovative. Yeah, exactly. Um, have you experienced obstacles as a black woman horror <laughs> filmmaker? Yes. I want to say yes, but not 
not the obstacles that I know are in the future, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still keeping my crew, my production, the people that I work with very local to New Orleans. And the film industry here is great, but it's still blooming. It's still, you know, blossoming into something. Um, it's not New York. It's not LA. I had a huge worry because I have set anxiety. I hate, I, I think that's different now. I used to say I hate being on set, but I, I mean, I usually do. Any, any set shoot, I just feel very uncomfortable there. Mm-hmm. I've always felt most comfortable writing, um, working with actors ahead of time, but just the hierarchy and the rushed energy of the set makes me nervous. I'm always afraid that I'm doing the wrong thing. So that was a concern for me, mm-hmm. but I think, um, you know, I have to tell myself, well, you're directing the film. You can kind of dictate the energy on the set. Mm-hmm. We had a roughly, we had a decent sized crew, you know, not more than what we needed. Um, but everyone respected each other and, and the, the conversations that we had with one another about respect, about spirituality, about where this film was coming from for me personally in my past experience, I think it set kind of set the set the standards of how we work with one another. And I think those people are just naturally respectful. So I got to set on day one thinking I would be nervous and I felt completely relaxed, completely at home. There were occasionally times where, you know, I was like, I'm I'm sharing something really personal. I questioned why I even wanted to do this in the first place <laughs> but um i think for the most part i've been very fortunate but I, i'm not going to kid myself either because i still i still know where i stand or where where filmmakers like me stand in the industry and that there's a lot of obstacles ahead mm-hmm. so i try to ready myself for those in the best way that i can try to toughen my skin mm-hmm. and that's what i can do for now i guess okay so you you've talked a lot about um you know how much you love working in New Orleans. Can you mm-hmm. can you give us a quick can you can you sell us real quick on filming in New Orleans like or like being a filmmaker in New Orleans? Yeah, I have this feeling and a lot of other people around me have this feeling as well. There are people working in New Orleans right now who are who are making incredible work, but in the next 5 years are going to blow up. You know, they there's just incredible work Coming from here, there's a very supportive, solid community. We know each other. Most of us know each other. There's different, you know, groups. But that's, that's kind of the nature of New Orleans. It's a small, big city, you know. Um, it, it's laid back. It's called the Big Easy for a reason. So the, <laughs> you know, the, the way that you're working with people is going to be a little different. You might have to, um, you know, like, like shoot times, set times, people are going to be there on time. It's just certain things flow differently. It's, it's, it's calmer. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Louisiana just has a diversity of locations to shoot at. It mm-hmm. looks like so many places in the world, depending on where you go. You know, nowhere, nowhere looks like the French Quarter, but then the French Quarter also looks like parts of the Caribbean and mm-hmm. France, depending mm-hmm. on where you go. Yeah. You have the bayous, you have, the fields, you have all these things, the swamp. So there's, there's just a lot to work with. There's a lot of richness here. Um, and it's a good place to be happy. You know, I'm, I'm very happy here. There's always something filmable. People come here and, and shoot a lot of documentaries on things like 
the Mardi Gras Indians when they're suited up before parades or on second Sundays when they're marching through the streets, you know, it's or Super Sunday, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot, there's balance here. It's a city that you can work in and thrive in. Um, but it's also a city where you can relax and be home and, mm-hmm. you know, form a family, whatever that means to you, whether it's your friends, your community, your partner. That's that's what I love about it. It's always been home. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I, um, we went down, Black Film Space went down for the New Orleans Film Festival. And a lot That's of, right. Yeah, a lot of uh, what you just said, you could see that, why that why that's true. So, Blood Runs Down was chosen for the Tricentennial Story Incubator. Correct. Um, can you tell us more about the process of, of that and what that is? Yeah, so it, it's, a, it's a matching grant from New Orleans Film Society Kickstarter. Film New Orleans, uh, New Orleans Video Access Center, Novak, and it was celebrating the city's 300th birthday by supporting grants from filmmakers who are based in the city. Uh, a $5,000 grant provided that you fund the first 5000 on Kickstart. They gave you support to create your campaign and to um, see it through. Mm-hmm. And so everyone who got the grant successfully raised at least 5,000, some went higher in their goals, and, and they met that and supported us with the grant. Had a little showcase of the screens, which were all very diverse, doubt projects, narratives, um, with different protagonists focused, with different, you know, subject matter. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that I'm, that I'm talking about is, you know, there's funding here for people who are passionate about telling stories that are important to the city and the people who live in it or, or just Louisiana in general. Mm-hmm. So they I I'll, I'll say that they're very invested in um pushing the work of filmmakers within this region. Mm-hmm. And from, and from the south they also have the southern producers lab because whenever I went to other festivals something that I did notice was the south was way underrepresented. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw I, I it was rare for me to meet another person from Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, any of them, you know. <laughs> so, uh, it's important, it's important for me that that, that work and that perspective, um, gets shown as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, did, so, did you, how did you raise money for, for your project? Um, when we were fundraising, I think it was only three of us on the project at that time. So we, uh, we went back to my hometown, did a little photo shoot there kind of conceptualized how we wanted it to look. I worked with my producer, co-producer Alexis Clark and production designer Lila Ray. Mm-hmm. And they're both very talented. Um so we just we kind of put together um a mood book of of what the film looked like and what it was about and what we were trying to communicate with a lot of Lila's original work, um original photography. And you know, our our community came out and supported just like that. And I think, I mean, you know, you, you only want to crowdfund, especially so many times. Oh. <laughs> it's it's rough. Mm-hmm. It was a ride. But uh, out of the the five thousand, I think we got two thousand maybe in the first two days, something mm-hmm. like that. So it moved pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, we just we got it done. We explain the project as, as clearly as we could, try, try to make it appeal to people and, and still be what it was. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, the three of us, we did that. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, do you have any advice for for horror filmmakers whose budget may not be large enough for, you know, the special effects that you might see in a, in a mainstream uh, Hollywood film? Yeah, I would say, you know, horror is, is a genre that for a while now has been known. You don't need a lot of money to make a horror film. You use it as a creative challenge. If you don't have the budget for CGI, consider not doing CGI. <laughs> What's the better solution for that? You know, usually, even with Blood Runs Down, we had some effects that, and we did them probably, and they, I think they worked out better. Um, but see what the creative solution is to the problems that you have. Mm. Another thing that I learned was if you don't have money, you need to have time. You need to have so much time. Um, there was a shoot that I had scheduled for next weekend, actually, with a small crew, and they all understood it was a passion project. I said, yeah, we don't have blood runs down money. Um, and we talked about it, and we said, you know what, we're going to push this back in two more months so that we can be fully prepared and, you know, solve all the problems on this list without getting to set, being overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and, and not knowing what to do. Also, and this is one that I have a huge problem with, but I'm working on. <laughs> just ask people. Just reach out, and you'll be surprised at what other people have to offer, yeah. what other people are willing to offer. Yep. Um, I, For me, the hardest part about working on a film is reaching out to, to crew members. Because for such a long time, I was like, why would anybody want to work with me? You know, I don't have any. Why would I ask? this DP to work on my film, mm-hmm. payment or not, you know, what's the benefit of you? And with Blood Runs Down, I was really shocked, but especially after with this, this short film that I'm working on now, um, anyone that I've briefly mentioned mentioned it to has said, oh, well, let me know. I'd love to be on set mm-hmm. or I have this to offer or I'd love to do this. You will be surprised at, at what you can get because the worst they can say is no. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. The worst they can say is no, but you won't know unless you ask. So that's something I've been trying to practice. So on, on your website, it mentions that your work generally pays homage to Afrofuturist writers like Octavia Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, can you elaborate more on that and who else has influenced your work in this genre? Yeah, so I say I say Octavia. But she's probably the main Afrofuturist writer that I can cite. One of my favorite books, if not my favorite, is, is Parable of the Sower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the follow-up, Parable of the Talents, is great, too. And I also love Kindred. So I think what she did with mood and tone in those books really spoke to me. Um, I've, and, and, you know, maybe that's my interest in, in like, the Southern Gothic, too, is this interest in, in darkness and how we deal with oppression in our identities. So she's always played a key role, even if, it, you know, Afrofuturism was something that never really quite made it to Blood Runs Down. I don't think it needed to, but it, it was always, her books and her story were always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, another author who has really been inspiring me lately is Toni Morrison. Mm. And I've been reading... Her newest book, The Source of Self-Regard, which is just like a collection of different essays and things. Um, but mostly it's her, it's her narrative work. So, um, for instance, Beloved, I had 
been familiar with the story before Blood Runs Down. I've been familiar with the movie. I've never watched the movie all the way through nor read the book. So earlier this year, I went ahead and read the book in full. And, um, you know, that's another thing. Like that, that Southern Gothic, the way that she captured the grief and all the pain and the emotion that was linked to those characters and to that land and to that house felt so specific to me and spoke to me in such a particular way mm-hmm. um, that I wish I'd read it before Blood Runs Down because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would have inspired so many things. So I, I think with, with literature, it's, it's a lot about tone and what, what things we need tonally. Can you explain what Afrofuturism is? Yeah, so I think for my my definition, and you know, many people may not agree with this, and there's probably also just a solid definition of Afrofuturism, but the way that I understand it is looking both to the past and the future and interpreting what what our existence is mm-hmm. within that. Um, so for instance, Parable of the Sower, um, Octavia Butler tells the story of this almost post post-apocalyptic America where um, the the greed of the country has depleted it of resources and people are zoned off and you have this black this young black female protagonist essentially creating a religion or or a, a you know a type of thought for herself and others to follow follow um, and that's where the phrase make America great again actually first appears. Mm. Way before Trump was in Parable of the Sower, which is crazy to me, <laughs> which is crazy. Like mm-hmm. he's still speaking. Um, and even in Kindred, it, you know, when oh, it's been a while since I read Kindred, but I believe it's a woman is, is transported back into um, the time of slavery. Uh, her and her white husband, and it, it deals a lot with her ownership of her body and the colonization of her mind and how easy it was for a person to um, become comfortable with slavery mm-hmm. or to become complicit to it in some way. So I think it just, yeah, it, it deals with our existence. It thinks to the future, referencing the past and critiquing the present. Mm-hmm. That's the definition that I would give it. Can you elaborate more on how that relates to horror in general? Yeah, you know, there's a documentary out on Shudder um, by Ashley Blackwell and Tamana Reed, a horror writer. Ashley Blackwell is a, a journalist. It's called Horror in a War, and Tamana Reed, I believe, says something in there. But she says, Black history is black horror. Black history is a lot of things, but our stories, especially in this, in this country, you know, I, I would say the entire di- diaspora, you know, are horrific. Mm. Our circumstances at times so very, very beautiful or horrific to to survive has been you know, so much of so much of black culture is based on survival. So for me and horror it's always been astounding that black stories haven't been at the forefront mm. because we have so much natural material to work from. It's it's a miracle that we are still here. We mm. all we know is survival. Mm. Why do you think that horror hasn't been mainstream? amongst African-American audiences? I think it has in an odd way, or not even in an odd way, in a particular way. Um, I think it's been entertainment. You know, we all have this stereotype of going to a movie theater that's filled with black people 
for a horror movie and everybody's talking and, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, responding, telling them to get out, all that stuff. Um, and I think maybe that was easier to do when you have less of an attachment to the people on the screen or their decisions that the characters, um, motivations don't really justify it or, you know, there's not much to root for. But I think we've, we've always been there. You know, I have a bit of a problem where and I'm trying to, to remedy this. If it's horror and it comes out, I go and see it. <laughs> That's just that. It doesn't have to be good. I can know from the previews this is going to be awful. But it's still, it's still entertaining to me. So I often go and see it. Mm-hmm. And those audiences are black. You know, and it's not based on the theater that I pick. When I go to see The Nun, I'm there with a room full of black people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're, we're there. We're just, I don't know if we've ever had much of a reason to be very invested. Yeah. And I think that's what the change is now. Um, and other people are invested too who are not black. And, and that's what Jordan Peele has been showing so much with what he's doing. And it's, you know, shocking people mm-hmm. that you can care about, about black stories and black, black characters. But, um, I think that's the switch. We've always been there, but now we're invested. Now there are stakes yeah. for us as well. So do you have any recommendations for horror films that feature a black uh, cast? Like any recommendations, you know, movies we may mm-hmm. not have heard of? Um, well, let's see. So I'm all Southern Gothic, you know, so my heart immediately goes to Eve's body, which some people don't recognize. And I can understand not recognizing it as a horror film. Mm-hmm. But another one that I've been watching and, you know, getting some different inspiration from is Ganja and Hess. It's an old, it was supposed to be a black exploitation film, mm-hmm. but the director kind of wanted to go a different route. So aesthetically, it, it kind of feels that way, but um, it's also very experimental in nature. Um, the actors are beautiful. It's, it's moving. So that's, that's one film that I would recommend. I wish I had more. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I had more films like that in my camp, but um, I'm looking to, one, discover them and, and to make them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's up next for you then? So uh, at the moment, I'm working on a short film, the one that I mentioned before. It will be a lot shorter, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, than the 17 minutes. Um, and that will come out sometime at the end of this year we're shooting it in june and while i do that i'm writing a feature film nice. which i was afraid to do but you know it's a thing about permission and the idea that i would have the audacity to go from making a short film to writing and making a feature but i'm writing it mm-hmm. i'm really excited um this will be the second feature that i've written the first I kind of stopped and, and realized that this this wasn't this wasn't what I wanted to be my first feature. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited and, and I guess expect more more shorts and other projects in that time as the feature is being developed. Okay, nice. Um, well, good luck with all of that. Where, where can where can our audience find you on social media? Yeah, so nobody has my name, so <laughs> uh, it's just my first name on Twitter and Instagram. Zandashe, Z-A-N-D-A-S-H-E. Mm-hmm. Um, and my website is just Zandashe.com. All right. Thank you so much, Zandashe, for joining us on the Black Film Space Podcast. Appreciate 
your insight and, and your opinions on, on film. And when can we see Blood Runs Down? You know, Blood Runs Down is is figuring out its distribution right now. Mm-hmm. If it will be online or if it's going through platforms. So I'll definitely update people through social media. But for now, it might make a couple more festival appearances over the next few months. So I would keep an eye out for that. All right. Let us know if you're coming to New York. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.